You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Check it out. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Ruler of the Court podcast. This is Jason Jones of The Athletic returning after a, I won't call it a hiatus, but had a, had a sick kid at home. So I've been kind of dealing with that. And, you know, well, in this uh, COVID world, a cough means basically you can't come you know, go to school for a few days until everything's cleared up. And it's not like when I was a kid where... You know, we'd get some Robitussin and get sent to school anyway. So, and then, uh, what was the other thing going on? Yeah, they were doing construction outside my place. So, all during the day, no matter what time I would want to try to record, all you heard was drills and jackhammers and stuff got pretty loud. And with the kid home, couldn't like necessarily leave the kid at home to go work on anything else. So, it, it is what it is. Got a little brief space of time now, so let's go ahead and jump on in. This is where we talk to Sacramento Kings, we talk hip-hop and whatever else might come to mind. And if you hear a call from the background, my son Derek is still home. He might wander in here to tell me he needs some more medicine, but I just gave him some, I promise. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overdo it with the medicine. That being said, let's just jump in. Recording this, at, at the time of this recording, the Kings remain one of three winless teams in the NBA, along with the Orlando Magic and my hapless hometown Los Angeles Lakers, who continue to satin all of Southern California with their some of the worst three-point shooting I've ever seen in my life. But I digress. Back to the Kings. Uh, as one of the three remaining winless teams at 0-3, um, later this evening, they'll play Memphis. So 0-4 is not out of the question. But kind of just wanted to discuss why. And just to be clear, I don't think this is a panic situation at all. Teams are going to lose three or four in a row at various points of the season. And of course, it always just looks way worse when those three losses in a row come in the first three games. And if we're going to look at a culprit, it's the same culprit. It's the usual culprit. It's the thing that have, has always held the Kings back, it seems, and that would be the defense. Just looking at some of the number two, you know, uh, I don't want to, you know, because of the pace and all, getting into, you know, points per game per se is not always the most accurate thing, even though they did give up 50 points in a quarter 
<laughs> against Golden State. I mean, there's really no way around that. That's pretty atrocious. But overall, they're allowing teams to shoot 48, basically 49% from the field and 41 from three. What does that mean? That means that you're never really out of a game against the Kings because they're not shutting you down. They're not putting the clamps on you. Still, you know, too many straight line drives, too many, you know, teams are getting this too many. The, the looks are just too easy. And I'm not really sure how you fix this. You know, Mike Brown is supposed to be a great defensive coach. And with Mike being a good, you no, know, I shouldn't have said it like that. It makes it sound like I was being sarcastic and I wasn't. But well, you're going to have to rely on Mike to try to scheme some things up probably because one of the main issues you got is that some of your best players aren't your best defenders. I think De'Aaron can be an De'Aaron Fox can be an all NBA type defender. He's just got to show he can do that over the course of an entire season. You know, going to Kevin, not Kevin Hurt, going to Keegan Murray in the starting lineup. I think you're asking a lot of a rookie, even as good of a rookie as Keegan is shown to be, to help shore up your defense with the starting five. But clearly, I think overall. Going with Keegan as the starter is the right move. You know, Sabonis is averaging, you know, a little more than one block a game, but I don't think anyone would mistake him with Dikembe Mutombo on the back line in your defense. Harrison Barnes has been solid throughout his career defensively, but you still need more. And I think everyone's more freaked out right now by Harrison's offensive numbers, which have been pretty well, well below his uh, standard at the start of the season. And I don't think anyone's going to confuse Kevin Herter with uh, Marcus Smart either. So all that said, <clears throat> to me, that's the biggest you know, impediment to the Kings winning. And I don't expect Ja Morant to have any mercy on them in terms of attacking the paint. And so it's going to take the Kings getting creative, figuring some things out. And again... It's three games into an 82-game season. I don't think there's any reason to panic, per se. I don't think that there's any uh, anything that we've seen that's completely unexpected, either. I think the three teams the Kings have played, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Blazers, I think we'd all pretty much agree right now are, are ahead of them. All of them have a superstar-type player they can rely on, and... That'll get you over the top, <laughs> especially earlier in the year when teams are still figuring things out. And it's I think when you watch the Kings, you know, and throw first off, throw what you saw in the preseason out. No, that doesn't matter. Yeah, things looked great in the preseason. That doesn't matter. You know, you really can't take any of that and say, well, because they did it in the preseason, it matters now. It really doesn't. So you're going to have to figure out some things just in terms of how you want to defend and just overall, just be more solid. You know, you know, that, that, uh, if you check out the athletic Anthony Slater, he, uh, he does a lot of the King, some of the King stuff since, you know, I've gone on to the culture world, but he has a great article where he talks about Mike Brown getting on De'Aaron about a defensive mistake in the Clipper game and why he's going to be riding De'Aaron so hard about those. And it's a, it's a very accurate point. It's a very correct point, And it makes sense. De'Aaron is the franchise player. I know a lot of people will say, well, he's not really a franchise player. 
so on and so forth. But he's Sacramento's franchise player. So if he's not on his P's and Q's defensively, it means more than, say, if, I don't know, Malik Monk is messing up on defense. You really need De'Aaron to be, as he's been called by the last two coaching staffs, the head of the snake. And I think a lot of times we associate that with him pushing the pace on offense, getting into the paint, attacking, doing those things. And those things matter. They need, but I think at this stage of his career, he's been around since 2017 now, which is crazy to say. But I think at this point, it really is more about what can he do defensively. And until that side of the, you know, until he's as solid as he can be in that spot, I think it's going to be, you're going to have some issues, some questions, just about what the Kings are doing. And they're going to struggle to win games as long as you're not getting that same defensive or get what you, or getting what you need defensively from De'Aaron. So that wasn't to, you know, to knock De'Aaron. It was more so to point out, to check out Anthony's article, where it does also point out what happens when De'Aaron does what the coaching staff is looking for him to do defensively to help out. So that's what, that's going to be the thing. It's going to be the thing to monitor all year is can this team defend at a high enough level? They don't have to be, you know, the you know, peak San Antonio Spurs or the elite Detroit Piston defenses, but you can't let teams shoot nearly 50% and 40 from three. You know, you can't, you just can't do that. You're going to have to take something away. And right now, the Kings are giving up the paint and they're giving up the three ball. And that's a recipe for zero wins, which they have. Again, I don't think it's reason to panic. But you, you're going to have to rectify the defense at some point. And I think part of that is going to have to be just getting eventually an upgrade in defensive type players. Because I, I'm a firm believer that if you're going to be a good defensive team, you have to be able to count on your best players to be fully engaged and among your top defenders. You know, if if we get to the end of the season and we're saying that Davion Mitchell is still the most important perimeter defender, we got a problem. <laughs> you know, we got a problem. We need, you know, you need those guys, those top guys to kind of step up and take that mantle and make something happen. But it's not all doom and gloom with the Kings. I think if you look at the offensive numbers, there's definitely some things to like. You know, De'Aaron's averaging 31.7 points and 7 assists. I'd like to see Sabonis get more than 14.3 points a game, but he's getting 9.3 rebounds and 5.3 assists. So that's 12.3 assists. No, more than 12 assists between your two best players, which I think he'll take. In his couple of games, Keegan's averaging 17.5 points. Uh, the obvious kind of, in terms of offense, the, the obvious downer has been Harrison Barnes to start the year. And... I don't expect Harrison to, you know, average, you know, he's, you know, right now he's really offensively, should I say? Everyone talk, you know, he's he's really not off to the start. He was off to last year, you know, seven points, five, you know, five point seven rebounds, 
that's not, you know, that's not the production, you know, they need from him. I think if you get to a season and, and Harrison is your, like, sixth or seventh leading scorer, that could either mean that some guys have really stepped up or Harrison is having a bad year. And right now, he's shooting 36.8% from the field. And he's not even, he's barely above 50% from the line. I don't expect that to continue. God, we haven't played a whole lot of games yet. So it's not like we have a big sample size. I don't expect him to shoot that way all year. But, again, it's early. No need to panic, folks. I assure you of that at this point. Talk to me in about 15, 20 games, and then I will let you know when it's time to ring the panic alarm. But before I move on to my favorite part of the show, I have a message for you from DraftKings. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, in case you didn't notice that. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And if that's the case, you probably don't want to bet on the Kings, Lakers, or Magic right now. <laughs> check out, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. And I just want to see, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, De'Aaron Fox against John Morant, the weird kind of concocted, I'm not concocted, kind of like, remember the whole fans versus the media over was, was Ja, De'Aaron, was De'Aaron trying to be Ja, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking forward to the matchup because De'Aaron has put up big numbers against Ja, but Ja's team tends to win. So, be interesting to see what happens when I say tens to win. They win in the big picture. I know that De'Aaron's had some, the Kings have had success against Memphis, but overall, Jaws' team is in the playoffs. So it's a good matchup between two young point guards, and Jaws a superstar, and he might already be on that superstar level, and that's where De'Aaron's trying to get to. And winning will help with that. But here's what you need to do: get back to what we we're really talking about. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now let's jump back into the show. Okay, it's my favorite discussion of the show. It's my, I don't, I'm going to call it my passion because I'm not a rapper, but it's the hip-hop discussion in the show, and going to keep it West Coast again. I'm not going to discuss Mr. West and what's going on with him. I want to keep it on the uh, the recent you know 10-year anniversary of Kendrick Lamar's debut studio project, Good Kid, Mad City. To me, this is undoubtedly a classic album, one of the best hip-hop albums over the last, I'd say, 10, 10 years easily. I'd even go as far as to say one of the best albums over the last 20 years. And we all know all the songs, all the radio hits, you know, all the more commercial songs. But what I wanted to do was 
go through my favorite features, hip hop features on the album. It's easy to kind of get into, you know, the whole album. But, you know, I want to kind of focus on one area. So I'm going to keep it on the hip hop features. And I'm going to work my way maybe backwards in terms of my favorites. And I'm going to start with this. I mean, I'm, and I'm using the deluxe edition, which gives us a, like, more, a few more options. I'm going to start with the Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe remix with Jay-Z. And that, by me saying it's, I'm not saying it's, well, maybe I'm saying it's my least of the features, favorite of the features. I don't know. But I'm going, I'm, I'm not going in any particular order except the last one is going to be my favorite. But why, why do I have this one here? I mean, Jay is Jay, but this wasn't like one of those knock it out the park Jay-Z verses. This wasn't, you know... The the What's Free verse with Meek Mill on Meek Mill's album. This wasn't the God Did verse. I mean, there's I mean, there's a lot of different... I mean, there's levels to Jay-Z. And this wasn't like, to me, God-level Jay-Z verse. It was good, but it wasn't God-level. So that's why I have it where, you know, you know, not at the top of my feature list. And then let's go to the two... With uh with Dr. Dre. We got Compton with Dre and we got the recipe. And I of the two of them, I like the recipe, you know, better than you know, but it's also kind of tricky because is Dr. Dre really a rapper? For this purpose of this discussion, he is, but this is not gonna be a thing where we're gonna talk about the you know, the lyrical battle between Kendrick and Dr. Dre. When I on both of these songs, to me it's almost like Dre's on there as a cheerleader, you know, giving you a hook and kind of just hyping up his guy Kendrick. So that's why I have those placed where I have them placed. Not that they're bad in any way, just weren't my favorite of of some of the features. And that being said, let me be clear too. I like all these songs. Like I said, to me, this is a damn near a flawless album. I like all these songs. This is not a diss to any of them. It's just kind of like some people like their burgers with cheese. Some like them without. You still like burgers, but hey, you got, you know, maybe you prefer pickles and I don't. Okay, but now we're going to get to my top three. Number three, Poetic Justice with Drake. And I'll admit, when this first came out, I would have had this one probably number one. Just because, it, it, you know, at that time, this is basically the two hottest in the game on a song together. And I still really enjoy the song. But it's, it's not that it hasn't grown on me. For me, it's other songs have grown on me more over the last decade. And I was just listening to Poetic Justice the other day. I love the song. But the song that's grown on me the most is Money Trees with J-Rock. You know, this was a TDE collaboration for this one. And, I, you know, at this point, J-Rock was, a, was, you know, was pretty hot in the game. At least on the West Coast, J-Rock was pretty hot. And this one really grew on me because I thought it was a cool song, but it feels like everyone else liked this song way more than me. And so just the other day, I went back and listened to the song 
and listen to it again. And like I said, I've always liked it, but not like it seemed the way other people did. And what's really underrated on this song is J-Rock. I mean, he killed this shit. There's no way around it. He killed it on this track. And it's definitely one of the, you know, it may, it may honestly be the best song on the album. When I look back, I don't, it, you know, it, it's it's definitely in the running. And J-Rock did the damn thing on there. So shout out to J-Rock, you know, what he did on this song. But my favorite one as an old dude, well, I'm kind of old now, with Mad City with MC8. Why? It's MC8. You know, and think about this. MC8's probably peak in popularity was early, mid-90s. Um, around the time Menace to Society came out, you know, just, you know, and kind of the follow through from all that. So at this point, when Kendrick puts uh, eight on this, eight's been in the, you know, eight's probably uh, almost two decades removed from his peak. But to to get like a, essentially a Compton legend, a West Coast legend, and throw him on this album, you know, it would have been easy to go with a Snoop. It would have been easier to go with, say, the game, someone who was, no, maybe more popping at the time, but to go with someone like Eight, that was such a Compton move, and I loved it. And to this day, I loved that Kendrick went with Eight for a song because you can reintroduce a guy like MC8 to a whole different generation. You know, if you're if you're into the history of rap beefs, you can go back and look at his him going back and forth with DJ Quick back in the day. Yeah, I just I love this song and shout out to the youngster for showing the OG some love. You know, and I think and I think about it, every time this song gets played, MC8 gets a little bit of you know a coin for that. So shout out to Kendrick for that. So I just wanted to kind of just you know hit up and think about some of my favorite features on this album, this classic album, this classic hip hop album that's celebrating ten years in the game. Um, hit me on my socials at Mister underscore Jason Jones at Twitter, Mister Jones LBC on Instagram. Let me know what you think, and I'm gonna go ahead and get up out of here and get to writing some other stuff. But I want to definitely touch in. Uh, by the time I check back in, I assume my kids will feel better. There won't be construction outside. And I'm going to assume the Kings will have won a game. Can't say the same for the Lakers or the Magic, but I'm going to assume the Kings will have won a game by then, which which is crazy. But side note before I go, why are the Sixers 1-4? Oh, well, that's for another day. <laughs> Y'all know what to do. Shout out to DraftKings and the Basketball Podcast Network. This is Jason Jones of The Athletic. This is the Rule of the Court Podcast. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.